Hey everybody, Mark Lee here, and Low Profile is back for part two of season four after taking a breather. On today's show, Gretchen Christopher of the iconic 1950s and 60s pop vocal group The Fleetwoods returns to the show. Gretchen talks about that band's formation and rise straight to the top of the charts and her solo career that followed. The Fleetwoods were comprised of Gretchen Christopher, Barbara Ellis, and Gary Troxell, and they were the first group to hit number one twice on the Billboard Hot 100 charts in a single year. They were an international success thanks to their tight harmonies, rich sounds, and classic songs like Come Softly to Me and Mr. Blue. Gretchen has lived all over this country, but has settled back here in Olympia, Washington, where we produce this program. We first met about a year ago when she came to my all-vinyl yard sale looking for Fleetwood's albums. And I think the fact that I told her I did have some in the house, but they were not for sale, might have helped me score enough points to land an interview with a living legend such as herself. Back in January of 2021, she invited my BFF slash guest engineer Andrew Ebright and I to the deck of her home to record this interview on location. Andrew came back a few days after that and recorded her doing a new song on the piano, which you'll hear later. He also got it on video. That's available on this episode's website. You can find that at lowprofilepodcast.com. You won't be hearing music clips throughout the show. Instead, you'll hear entire songs, but not the big hits like Come Softly or Mr. Blue, which are fantastic and belong in every record collection. Instead, I'm going to share a couple deep cuts from the Fleetwoods. Their version of the classic doo-wop song We Belong Together from the Mr. Blue album, and a demo version of Happy Happy Birthday. We'll also hear the title track from her Gretchen's Sweet 16 album, which you can find at goldcupmusic.com. After that, I'm gonna play the Christmas bonus episode we taped together last year, where she talks about her single Christmas Is You, because, you, you know, Christmas in July, right? Right? The original illustration of Gretchen for this episode was drawn by Taylor W. Rushing, you can see more of his artwork on the web at taylorwrushing.com. If you like the show and want to hear more, check out the liner notes, relevant links, and other extras, or contact me. You can visit this show's website. Again, that's lowprofilepodcast.com. We're on the social medias, too, at lowpropodcast. And now, without further ado, my good people, it's Gretchen Christopher. Hello and welcome to Low Profile. I'm Mark Lee, your host, and today I am joined once again by Gretchen Christopher, who in the late 1950s started a band called the Fleetwoods that rose to the top of the Billboard charts. Gretchen, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Y'all had about, was it 11 Billboard Top 100 hits? Yes, I think nine of those were Top 40 Three were top ten, and two of those were number one. And that's Mr. Blue, and before that, your very first single. Come Softly to Me. I called it Come Softly when I wrote it. Yeah, and that went straight to the top. First yeah. single. Isn't that amazing? Wasn't that weird? How old were you when that happened? Well, I was 18 when I wrote it and arranged it in counterpoint to the dum 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 doo dum that this guy was singing as he walked me downtown. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, and, and we I was 18 when we recorded it, 
And I was 18 when we went on our first tour. I left Whitman College after a semester. I had promised I would go without a, an argument because I argued before, don't take me out now. It's cost me so much emotionally to sink my teeth into college when all, all I really want to do is perform. But yeah. now that, you know. So Bob Reisdorf, our producer, said, if it hits nationally, you'll leave without an argument. I said, okay three days into my second semester, it was hitting nationally, and so I left without an argument. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I turned 19 on that tour. I was 18 when we started. I turned turned 19 in Cleveland. Yeah, just that's just like throwing the kid into the water, seeing if they can swim, pretty much. Yeah. Now, had you been writing songs before that one hit? No, um, I wrote one when I was five, something about, and my dad notated it, mm -hmm. and um, it was something about uh, walking down the street and the birds go tweet, tweet, tweet. <laughs> Somewhere I have that in a little spiral music notebook. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but that, otherwise it was the first, Come Softly was. So we are on Gretchen's deck out by the water in Olympia, Washington. And right now we have a military helicopter of some kind flying overhead on this otherwise serene afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I think they come over every day. Yeah. I'm not usually they're... outside, but we're blessed with uh, some sunshine, some light. Must be quitting time. Yeah. And I hope you can see the beautiful bay. This is why I feel very, very blessed always to be here. But I looked five years to find this place because my dad had looked 10 years to find a farm on the bay, 10 acres on 500 feet of salt waterfront. The next inlet over, I looked for five to, to try to give my children what I had. You, so you have a history here in Olympia. Yes. This and you've you've lived lots of other places. I left uh, Whitman and went on tour, and when I came back, I uh, got an apartment in Seattle, and um, <clears throat> and I got married somewhere along the way up there. Exactly a year and a half. We got married December 23rd, and the divorce was final June 23rd. And I moved to Hollywood then because the company had been bought. Dalton Records, it was originally Dolphin Records. And wow. uh, Come Softly to Me was the first release on that. It went to number one. And then everybody wanted to buy the Fleetwoods contract. But if Dolphin had sold our contract, then they'd be an empty shell. So then we had uh, <clears throat> two more hits. Graduations here, which Barbara and I had written for our senior class party, because after we after we performed "Come Softly" a cappella with Gary Gary's dum 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 doo dum mm -hmm. as our backup, um, the kids liked it so much. Fifteen hundred students and teachers in the the biggest auditorium that uh, Olympia had at that time, and. Um, it's kind of changing the subject, but when it was no more at this school, 
then Olympia really didn't have an auditorium where it could have symphonies or opera or whatever. So my mom, Helen Christopher, worked like 13 years on trying to get a a new an auditorium for cultural arts and eventually making a long story short eventually the Washington Center finally became a reality so she really cared about the arts really did and my dad too he played in the Olympia Symphony for 30 years 33 years in the liner notes mm-hmm. for Gretchen Sweet 16 um, you've mentioned growing up with chamber music in your house. Right. And it seems like you mostly gravitated toward the piano. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I've never tried to play guitar or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I bought a grand piano and have a grand piano here. This is kind of crazy, but but you'd think I'd be playing all the time. But the idea of playing... If you brought up with a work ethic, which somehow I was, mm-hmm. well, then playing is like playing hooky from work. And so... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're off the clock. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I should be doing something that I don't like to do, like income tax or <laughs> something of that sort. Yeah. You're mine and we belong together yes we belong together for all eternity you're mine your lips belong to me yes they belong to only me for all eternity starting to talk about your first tour that you went on, but what was the music community in Olympia in particular like at that time? I mean, I'm sure people already knew you, but now you are you becoming like more of a household name and like, oh look, there she is. That's that's the lady from the Fleetwoods. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we we toured, you know. So by the time we got to New York to do the Dick Clark show, which was our first uh, nationwide appearance, Frankie Avalon stepped out of the shadows and said, congratulations, as we were about to enter the little theater on, I think it's 44th Street or something. Congratulations, come softly to me, just knocked Venus out of the number one spot. Venus was his number one hit. (laughs) He was very gracious. Wow. Yeah. So you knocked Venus right out of the sky. 
Yeah. Was he on the same? It, it, are we talking about American Bandstand? No, American was... Bandstand was the daytime show. Okay. Very famous and all, and we did do that as well, but uh, later in Philadelphia. But this was New York, and it was the evening show, uh-huh. and so the the skirts and sweater sets that we had bought for the occasion. Uh, suddenly Bob Reisdorf realized that was too informal and took us out for a mad dash of shopping to get gowns wow. for the Saturday night, more formal show. And um, we didn't like these gowns at all. Best and Company was the place. but uh, And we get shocks walking across the, the carpet and then touching the elevator button, you know, ah! because it would create electricity. But anyway, finally Bob said, uh, we'll take two of those. And they were $100 a piece. And in 1959, that was like a 1000 now. We wore them for that show. I told you, we didn't like them. And she had a neat idea for redesigning them, which we had done in Seattle. So they were sort of little Bo Peep skirts, the shorter skirts, and take off these cap sleeves that were very matronly, we thought. Mm -hmm. It did have rather a plunging neckline. We didn't change that, but put um, spaghetti straps of rhinestones instead of these matronly sleeves, and they were really quite darling. And uh, we wore those then at the end of the year, in November, when uh, we did the Dick Clark show again because... um, Mr. Blue was number one, making us the first group in the world to have two number one hits top the Billboard Hot 100 in a single year, 1959. Wow. There there were pictures taken at the end of that show with Dick Lark presenting us with two gold records each, you know, for Come Softly to Me and Mr. Blue. Um, so that's when we were wearing the the redesigned version, which was really nice. In the house, I have a picture of, I think, of Dick Clark and me in those where I'm wearing that gown. And I donated mine to the State Capitol Museum here in Olympia. Oh. I also donated a whole set of of our albums. I think at that time it was either 11 or 12, and then when another came out, um, I believe the the, uh, curator of the museum bought another album or two to to keep it uh, up to date. How many Hall of Fames have you been inducted in? Um, I know you've got the, the Vocal Group Hall of Fame. Right. Doo-Wop yeah. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Olympia High School mm-hmm. Alumni Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And and the Vocal Group Hall of Fame, or did you say that? I did, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That, that was the last one that I attended, and I had hoped that all of us could attend and have sort of a reunion and sing together and everything. and uh, But it didn't happen. I was the only one who attended and who performed. And then two members, second-generation members of uh, the Modern Airs. And the original lead singer, whose face I can remember so well from the screen, you know, from the movies, um, one of her daughters was singing... In fact, I think two of her daughters were and another young man. And <clears throat> so I needed somebody to sing the dum-dums and harmonize. And they were enlisted, so to speak, and they were they were great. Oh, good. And then somebody else said to me, 
um, I could sing it, you know, because we did it on our album. And uh, that was um, Manhattan Transfer was the group. <clears throat> and um, I thanked him very much. But I said, they've already rehearsed and they're doing just fine. So, but thank you. And I said, I'd love to hear your, your recording. And so he sent me that and a solo album that he had done at the same time I did my solo album. So I was particularly interested in comparing the two, you know, how he did his and would I have done it that way or not. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, at some point, Manhattan Transfer was at the uh, Washington Center, and I sent a note and let, let him know that I would be there. And uh, they very graciously acknowledged me, introduced me to the audience. I was in the front row and uh, in the midst of their concert, which was sweet. And then I went backstage and, and we got some photos and there's one on my mantle. And unfortunately, that uh, on the mantle are pictures of of people who have passed on, and he, he's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and my brother, and my sis-in-love, as she called herself, <laughs> instead of sister-in-law. Mm -hmm. And uh, this pandemic is, uh, every day I miss my dance partner, Chuck, uh, Chuck Dreyer, not so much as a dance partner, but he was, I called him my guardian angel, and you may remember if you read the liner notes that he would anticipate my needs before I would even realize, yes, I'm going to need that. Yeah. And he, he said something like, well, if I can't have a romantic relationship with you, then I'll be the best friend you could want. And he truly was. He was just, and I miss him every day. And another friend also died about a week after him. I had done my my show, um, my 20th leap year birthday concert, February 29th of this last year, yeah, 2020. Yeah, we didn't touch on that, but you, you're a leap year birthday. I am. <laughs> and so Sweet 16 was referring to several things when yes. we're talking about your solo record. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, is that what we're... <laughs> yeah. We've got the... Uh, we've got It's a Suite of 16 Songs. Right. And on the cover is a picture of you at 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And you released it in tandem with your 16th leap year birthday. That's right. And I thought... Markley, that I could do that album in a month because after all I'd been recording all my <laughs> teenage and adult life not all my teenage but you know from the time I was 18 and instead of taking a month so that I could release it on February 29th it took three and a half years mm. and I barely made it before my next birthday, thank, <laughs> thank goodness I was 16 for four years. Yeah. Yeah. When I was 16, you were 18, the older man in my life. We 
fell in love for the very first time Who knew it would last all your life I went my way, pursued all my dreams Reached the unreachable star Left you behind, never looked back Never dreamed you still loved from afar Then decades later you wrote me a letter It reached me the month of my birthday A thousand miles away You'd lived forty years Yet somehow your soul was still thirsty Months later we met We read our old yearbooks The history of our love affair Tasted the kisses and toasted the moment Slept separately still unaware If your burning love could rekindle my own And somehow my flame would be lit I cried as I thanked you for making it right After all of these years, I felt it Now I'm sweet 16, you're my older man Like a couple of kids from the past Laughter and love make our lives like a movie Could our first love become our last? Yes, I'm sweet 16, you're my older man But not just the same as before No more, Mr. Blue, you've come softly to me So our first love could grow even more And I'm so glad I did that album. It was, it was so much work because I, I, it was my um, concept. I designed it. Um, I wrote the songs and decided what order they would go in to tell our story. Uh, some I had written before, like Come Softly and Acapella and Graduations Here and, and then the, the uh, Come Softly to Me, the, the hit version. Um, you did other songs that you'd written during your tenure with the Fleetwoods and then some that you had written later on. Right. And was this the first recordings of all those songs that you had written in the interim? Um, yes. The yes, quiet period, so to speak? Right. Um, it was a, for instance, Blues Go Away was the first Fleetwood solo, and that was on our fourth album. Meaning the first song that you sang without any backup. Exactly, vocals. exactly. And you wrote that one. Right, and it was, when I wrote it, I it was when we first moved to Hollywood to record, and um, I... We we were put up in this uh, hotel, Carolina Pines, I think it was called, and um, it just 
came out of me as a cry against the walls of, of the motel room. I've got the blues, a sickness much too bad to cure with booze. And so I'll open up my heart that you may look and laugh or weep as you choose blues. Go away, bad news, here to stay. In the black and blue of night, I cry and hope I'll never face the day. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Straight from the heart. It was, and yeah. so it was. It was fitting that that it end up being a solo because nobody else went through the pain that I did that brought that song out of me. But I I wrote it in a car uh, alone in a parked car. I I don't know if it was a rental car. I don't remember. At night, mm -hmm. all alone, and when I finished it, I said, I've I've written the standard. And I was happy about that. Yeah. And so, um, though that was on our fourth album, four, four out of eventually 15 albums, um, I re-recorded it for my solo CD. Sure. And um, when I recorded it the first time, we had been flown down to California, and um, we would always get... Um, laryngitis when we go down from the smog, you know. And Bob Reisdorf would take us to a doctor and there really wasn't much that could be done. But because of that laryngitis, when I did Blues Go Away as a solo, um, <laughs> Bob Reisdorf said to Eddie Bracken, the engineer, well, what, you know, what are we going to do about her hoarse voice? And and then they decided, it's okay. It sounds like she's been up all night crying. <laughs> so it has its own charm. The Fleetwoods released 15 albums. Did, did you originally work with albums in mind, or was it singles? It was singles, you know. And to put two number one hits on an album was unheard of. Really, there should have been three albums put out for our three hits that year. And what went into choosing the repertoire? Because you didn't write all the songs, right? You... No, no. And to Bob Reisdorf's credit, he encouraged us to write more songs. He said, because, you know, even if they're not hits, you'll make money because they'll be on the on the albums. But we just weren't motivated. I know I was never motivated by money. I mean, mm -hmm. that may sound odd. I wanted... I wanted to be treated fairly and paid every penny I was owed of the tiny little bit that they paid us. But, um, but I wouldn't, 
I was going to say I wouldn't write for money, which would be like prostituting oneself or something. <laughs> I mean, that's silly. But the point is, like Blues Go Away, as you said, it, it really came from the depths of me. I shortened that up by the way I went from the beginning to the last verse. I didn't know I was going to be singing, but I was moved. Yeah, there's, you know, some people feel like a, a career songwriter and then other people, songs happen to them. And that's where yeah. it comes from. And uh, back to your, your solo record, uh, it's very much uh, a narrative. It's a really, really special thing when one person can thread together songs to tell a story. Thank you. Yeah, I, that and, was important to me. And this is the story of reconnecting with your first love and yes. all the things that happened along the way. Mm -hmm. And Blues Go Away comes after a failed marriage and then moving to Hollywood to record. And I didn't have any any friends there, by the way. In Hollywood? Right. I mean girlfriends, you know. I mean, I I had men friends because the, the business was made up of men. One of my friends, who was the brother or the half-brother of Vic Dana, whom Barbara and I chose to be Gary's replacement when Gary went into the Navy, and uh, we were going to tour, and uh, so we needed somebody to tour, not to record. We did our recordings all together when he would have leave, but... Um, anyway, Vic Dana had a half-brother, and uh, he thought we would be great friends if we met, and he was going to introduce us at Tab Hunter's birthday party. We double-dated, and I was so looking forward to meeting my future friend. And then when I met her, she was so inebriated that it was like not communicating with anybody. It was Hard just at a distance. A and I I was brokenhearted because I had thought I was going to have a friend and didn't. Happy, happy birthday, baby. Although you're with somebody new. Thought I'd drop a line to say that I wish this happy day would find me beside you. Happy, happy birthday, baby. Oh, no, I can't call you my baby. Baby, seems like years ago we met on a day I can't forget. Cause that's when we fell in love Do you remember, remember The names we had for each other Goodbye, hope I didn't spoil your birthday. I'm not acting like a lady. 
So I'll close this note to you With good luck and wishes too Happy, happy birthday, baby Do you remember The names we had for each other Barbara went to um, Elvis Presley's birthday party, but um, I wasn't there, so <laughs> I don't. So that's her story. <laughs> I've heard you say you were you were not a big fan of Elvis or the sort of uh, I I mean was that sort of a rivalry in that like whole genre of music when you're coming from the pop vocal standpoint and then there's all these kind of rough around the edges folks that are you know starting to hit it big. Um, with Elvis. I thought of him as a greaser, what we in high school would call a greaser, you know, a guy with his hair slicked back, greasy. And um, I didn't find him appealing at all. Mm -hmm. I, he was not attractive to me in any way, shape, or form. Um, I have since grown to appreciate him much more. But, but rock and roll wasn't a threat or a... Oh, competition? No. Did you feel like you had different audiences in mind? Or? Um, no, not at all. I mean, the way Come Softly to Me came about, Come Softly came about, was Barbara and I had auditioned some girls to, so we'd be a trio. Mm -hmm. None of it worked out. So after they were all gone, I was alone at the, at the upright piano at Olympia High School in the auditorium. And I had said to, they were, these girls were supposed to sing um, in the still of the night. Showed out and show be do, oh, showed out and show be do, if you remember that one. In the still of the night. Well, they just kept singing louder and louder. And I said, softly, softly, it's in the still of the night. And so when they left... And, you know, the audition being unsuccessful and everybody was gone. Then I started playing those same chords, but elongating them and singing. Come softly, darling, come to me, stay. You're my obsession forever and a day. But back then it, I was singing way up here. In different register. Yeah. Sure. And... Um, I, I thought that the line forever and a day was kind of cliche. So the next Tuesday, I asked Barbara if she could think. I said, I'm writing this song, but can you think of a better line? Well, it turned out she couldn't and neither could I. So 
I kept my original lyrics that she harmonized. But on tour, I always gave her credit for co-writing the lyrics until finally, because I had been appointed to do all the interviews for newspaper and television and radio. Bob Reisdorf felt that I was most articulate and that he wanted me to do the interview, so I did. Anyway, and the other two were sitting there, and I was doing the interview on radio, and and I said, Barbara and I co-wrote the lyrics. And uh, she piped up and said, I did not. <laughs> I didn't even know what the word obsession meant. <laughs> You're my obsession forever and a day, <laughs> the lyric I had written. I was wondering if you remember any of your contemporaries in the Northwest when the Fleetwoods were first coming up. Who did you play concerts with? <laughs> well, in Seattle, um, there were a few garage bands. I think the Ventures, you know, they they did <laughs> incredible things. The Ventures, uh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they... But... Uh, Don Wilson at a concert for his, I think, 75th birthday or something, and and um, Voss and I were there, and and uh, Don Wilson of the Ventures said something about that Gretchen <laughs> had, you know, two number one hits, and he said we never had that. The highest we got was number two on the charts or something, but he had a sense of humor and was pretty funny and cute about that. He's the he's the only venture still living. As far as I know, we three Fleetwoods are still alive. You're the only one still in Olympia. Right. Back where you came from. Yep. The band name the Fleetwoods, a lot of folks think that it's based on the the car that was popular around that time. Yeah. And in reality, it's from the local telephone system what the exchange yeah telephone exchange i i think a lot of people might not even know what a telephone exchange mm -hmm. is i mean how it came about was um well in olympia they decided that for a telephone exchange that it would be fleetwood and um it was 357 is fl7 or 352 and um mine at home was 3527312. And Barbara and Gary each had a Fleetwood number as well. And so Bob Reisdorf up in Seattle, this was 1958, and at that time, if you made a long-distance call, you called the operator and said, Operator, get me Fleetwood 27312 in Olympia. And he had done that, although it was he was actually calling me at a state, state house where I had a job for the summer. And um, so that name was on his mind. He called me to say, we need a name for the group. The record's ready to release. And uh, I said, well, how about two girls and a guy, which is how I had suggested we be introduced when I was asked at the last minute before we went on stage for our senior talent assembly, what do we call you? What do we call you? And I said, two girls and a guy. <laughs> And But Bob Reisdorf said, no, no, we need something more distinctive, like Fleetwood. And I said, well, how about the Fleetwoods? That's okay with me. And so 
we chose that and then ran it by Barbara and Gary because I was always very democratic or whatever. And um, that's how we got our name, the Fleetwoods. What next, Gretchen? Well, I'm thinking about an album called Times of Our Lives. It could include Come Softly and Graduations Here, uh, my birthday song, uh, Birthdays for You and Me, Happy Pisces New Year, and um, When We Two Are Married, The Cure, uh, Swing, 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 and then Blues Go Away, maybe. Um, Ode to Joy, A Song of Thanksgiving, and uh, Christmas is You, and What Time Is It, and I Am an Angel. Well, you certainly are. Oh. Well, thank you for inviting us here, and thank you for talking to us today. It's, oh, you are welcome. To learn more about your history and music and your life. So thank you, Gretchen. Thank you, Mark Lee and Andrew. <laughs> I am an angel created by the kindness of the one whose love you lived with for so long. We shared a passion, uniting words and music in a song. He wrote the lyrics, then gave the words to me, I wrote the music so all who heard would see there was beauty in his soul, so much feeling in his heart. Now the song lives on, though he is gone, we're not apart. I am an angel.
episode of Low Profile with Mark Lee Morrison, and today I am being joined by a high-profile artist. Uh, She has multiple gold records. People walk around humming the songs she wrote without even realizing it all over the world, and I'm talking about Gretchen Christopher of the band The Fleetwoods. Hi, Gretchen. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Mark Lee. I'm delighted. I, I can't help but uh, want to share the way we met. It was so unusual. Is that all right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I love to, uh, for recreation, I love to go to garage sales or yard sales. And this summer was no exception. And Voss, my first love, uh, was driving me around. And he said, hey, there's a place selling records. So we stopped there. And... Um, this young man came out of the house as we were looking over the records, and I said, uh, do you have any recordings by the Fleetwoods? And and I think you said, oh, yes, but they're in the house. I wouldn't put them out here. <laughs> I'm going to keep those. <laughs> and Yeah, uh, those were not for sale. <laughs> right. And, and you told me that, uh, well, maybe I said first, well, I'm Gretchen Christopher of the Fleetwoods. Yeah, well, I I am uh, in the habit of interviewing musicians that I love and look up to, and here was one that fate had presented me with, and I knew that you lived here in Olympia, Washington, uh, and I figured it was only a matter of time before we would run into each other, and I just didn't think it would be in my front yard. <laughs> So, <laughs> and I told you that I had recorded a solo CD, Gretchen Sweet Sixteen, and you wondered if if you could interview me sometime. So here we are. We're finally doing this. However, the the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, has sort of cramped our style, and so we're being safe and not doing this face to face, but doing it over the telephone. I feel much better right. about that. And we're here today. Um, so, we, we, of course, we're going to do a, a Fleetwoods episode with you uh, coming up in the next season of the show. But this is a sort of a teaser for that. And we're talking because you have yet another instant classic, if I say so myself, uh, called Christmas Is You. And we wanted to get that... Uh, out so our listeners could hear it while it's still Christmas time. Yes. And this is the first new Gretchen Christopher song since Sweet 16 was released about 13 years ago. It's an original Christmas carol and it's also a love song. I probably wrote it in 1979. Um, I was married at the time and uh, I had bought a grand piano for here at the Bay where I live. And my husband, who was a teacher, came home. And when I had an opportunity to go back to the piano again, I could not remember 
what I had just composed. I knew it, you know, it was close, but I, I couldn't recover it. Eventually, I did mm. finish the song. And over the next seven years, after he and I were divorced, um, I kept working on the song that sounded like the passage of time. It sounded like, what time is it? And you'd have to hear the chord, so too. And it, mm-hmm. it is on my Gretchen's Sweet 16 album. It is the second to the last song of the 16 songs. And when I played it for a few people, they wanted it. They wanted to record it themselves. And I said, no, I'm saving it for myself and um, to record for a solo CD or solo album. Yeah, and you know, I think this song in particular, um, it's a it's a very appropriate time for it to come out this year because just being with someone that you care so much about is a huge gift, especially this year. Even even if it's over the phone. I mm-hmm. mean, it's boy, that has been so important to me. When my first love, Voss, who's back in my life after 38 years apart, and now we've been together 23, uh, not living together, that's the secret of our success. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we get together <laughs> on weekends, and I always say, now, when you get home, please call me, because it's a good half hour, 40-minute drive for him to get back to the lake that he lives on. And, and that's so important to me. And sometimes we talk at length and sometimes we don't, but just knowing that that he's safe and um, made the trip home on these wintry, early, dark nights. And your story with him is the story of your Gretchen Sweet 16 album, which we'll talk about at length next time we get together. Okay. And... Uh, um, I, I just wanted to make sure that people got to hear this wonderful new song. I'm really looking forward to our long-form interview that's coming up for next season as well. I am so. too. Well, how the recording of this came about, I told you how the writing of it came about, but how the recording came about, I was in Hollywood uh, recording. Um, our, by the way, our the Fleetwoods' last hit, our last hit was... Good night, my love. Good night, my love. Good night. Pleasant dreams and sleep tight, my love. Sleep tight. May tomorrow be sunny and bright and bring you closer to me. writer of that, George Matola, uh, died, and somehow his partner in publishing um, called me for some reason. I asked if there was going to be music, and she said, no, the, the, the children haven't planned any music for the celebration of his life, and I thought that was horrible. For someone whose life is in music and you don't include their music? And um, so I, 
I told her that I would be willing to sing just to celebrate his life. I would sing Goodnight, My Love, a cappella on the ship that was, or boat that was taking his ashes to sea. So that did indeed happen. Afterwards, uh, this songwriter producer uh, cornered me and said, you, I want you to record my song. Well, I, I told him at one point in, in a conversation that my mother um, had said she wished she had a Christmas album. And that, I just said that in passing. Well, then he called me up and he reminded me of that. And he said, don't you want to record this Christmas album? And he, he said, I've got all the tracks, you know, and I've got the recording session set up and you could come over and record it at my apartment. And uh, I said, no, no, you know, for many times. And then I finally, I felt that he was just trying to get close to me. But I finally hmm. did, um, I did record it with his setup, pre-recorded tracks. And, uh, and I did present it to mom and dad for Christmas. I call it Christmas for mom and dad. And I attached to the end of it, m the recording that you hear, which was not done at Sterling's place. I had done that in a studio. Um, I dug that up now for release now because I can't go into a studio now because of the pandemic. In fact, I did a, I did a show, a live show celebrating my 20th leap year birthday. I did that this February 29th and we packed the place and that was marvelous. And then everything was shut down because coronavirus. Um, right after that, yeah. Yeah, right after that. And and actually a video was done of that and but there were a lot of mistakes. The the uh, the volume isn't there. And I want very much to go into a a good professional studio and see what they can do to bring up the volume and stuff. But I haven't been able to. And that's that's kind of heartbreaking. So I didn't I don't have my own studio here because I did. I was going to, and then I decided, my gosh, I, I've written the songs, I've arranged them, I am doing the performance of them. I can't also be watching the VU meter to see if I'm pegging. It's a lovely recording, and it, I really like the arrangements on there. So, um, yeah, I guess I'd like to now introduce that song. This is... Gretchen Christopher's original timeless classic and it's called Christmas Is You Christmas is near soon you'll be here Christmas is anytime Christmas like wine, spirits so fine, sipped from the cup of love filled by you. Spend no 
Gretchen, thanks again for joining me today on Low Profile, and I think the listeners are in for a real treat when we learn more about your storied music career next year. Thank you, Mark Lee. What a, what a wonderful thing that we met. For more information about Gretchen Christopher and her album, Gretchen's Sweet Sixteen, which for a limited time includes a download of Christmas Is You, you can visit GretchenChristopher.com, GoldCupMusic.com, or TheFleetwoods.com. If you like this program and want to hear more episodes, you can find the previous three seasons at LowProfilePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and happy holidays! Gretchen wanted me to remind you that you can hear sound clips and order a signed copy of the 16-track CD, Sweet 16, with a 16-page booklet of photos and liner notes, all for the special holiday price of just Sweet $16, with free shipping and tax, and receive a free download of the MP3 version of Christmas Is You, plus a signed greeting card with love from Gretchen Christopher. Go to goldcupmusic.com for sound clips, fun info, and the order form. Happy New Year.